Acts 2.38, very thankful for the dedicated teachers and the crew that teach the children. If you're interested in getting involved with the children's ministry, then we can help you find that pathway to learn how to do that. Acts 2, we'll start in verse number 37. It says in verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. We're going to talk today about the doctrine of baptism, baptism basics. We're going to go through and just lay out the biblical defense for baptism. Now, this is something that is important for us to do because in the broad definition of Christianity, people have different methods of baptism and different reasons for baptism. The reason why we get baptized is very, very important. And so we will take the time and we will talk about this today. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for an opportunity to study your word, to know the truth of how to please you. And Lord, I pray that if there is somebody here today, they've never trusted you as their savior. Perhaps they are relying on their baptism to take them to heaven. I pray that you would let them see today clearly that it is through the faith of Christ alone. And Lord, I pray that help us to be able to understand this doctrine of baptism. Help me as I speak. Help everything to be clear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There's a story in Chattanooga, Tennessee in 2000, uh, 2018. 
one lady, uh, her name was uh, Shanda Riley, was stopped outside the home of her ex-mother-in-law late at night for a traffic infraction. It's possible she might have silently prayed for deliverance, but surely she didn't expect what happened next. Deputy Daniel Wilkie found marijuana during the traffic stop. But Wilkie also told Riley that God was talking to him. So the police officer told this lady, God is talking to me. Oh, what's, what's about to happen now? In addition to citing her for possession of a controlled substance, Wilkie, the officer, told her that she wouldn't go to jail if she agreed to be baptized. Not by a pastor at a local church, but by Wilkie himself. At his prodding, Riley, the lady, went inside her mother-in-law's house, ex-mother-in-law's house, to get some towels saying, I guess I'm fixing to get baptized, is the quote. They drove to nearby Lake Sodi, where Wilkie, Officer Wilkie, baptized Riley. She remained fully clothed as she was submerged in the water. Another deputy, Jacob Goforth, witnessed the event and recorded footage on his phone. Riley later filed suit against officers Wilkie and Goforth. During her deposition, Riley testified of the baptism. It had nothing to do with God or being a good person. Rather, it had something to do with power and control, is what she said. Back in 2019, a judge dismissed the claims against Goforth, but still allowed the rest of the suit to proceed. Judge McDonoghue said, quote, no government interest is furthered by the baptism of a detainee by an on-duty law enforcement officer, unquote. Riley, unfortunately, passed away from an accidental drug overdose in April of 2022. However, Riley's attorney said that her case will still go forward. The attorney said, baptism by a police officer in the line of duty in exchange for leniency in a criminal case is beyond the pale. What a strange story. Hey, I'll be lenient in this if you just come with me right away and we'll go get baptized. Why do we get baptized? What's the deal? Why should we get baptized? Is it important? Is it important when you get baptized? Is it important who baptizes you? Is it important? Or can we just say, hey, like the officer, I think this person's in trouble. Let's just try to go. Let's just try to go get baptized. Maybe this will cure whatever problem is in their life. You know, it's unfortunate that as the pastor, sometimes I have to filter these types of conversations that come my way. Hey, my child seems to be heading in the wrong direction in life. They have a rebellious attitude. Perhaps they're getting in some kind of a trouble. Pastor, would you baptize them? Sometimes we think it's just as simple as taking that person to a tank of water and submerging them or in some traditions sprinkling them or pouring water over their head and all of a sudden now this this ritual or this ceremony is somehow going to cure us and wash away all of our sin and all of our evil what does the bible say what does the bible say the bible says in Acts 2 and 38, then Peter said unto them, repent. We preached a whole sermon. I preached a whole sermon on this a few weeks ago. But first of all, before baptism occurs, first repentance has to take place. 
We're going to see this over and over again as we look at these passages. Repentance means a genuine change of mind that affects the life in some way. Like other significant theological terms, it must be defined specifically by asking a further question, namely, change the mind about what? So, for example, when you see the word repent in your Bible, it means a change of mind resulting in a change of life or a change of direction. What am I changing? What is my mind being changed about? That's what's important. Repent and be baptized. Change your mind. Change your mind about what? This is how we interpret the Bible. We have to ask questions and let the passage show us and speak to us here. Unsaved people can truly repent, but without being saved, meaning they can change their mind about Jesus Christ, but not actually then place their faith and trust in Christ. They can change their mind and say, oh, I really do believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin. I really do see that Jesus rose from the dead. I really do believe that he did this for the purpose of saving all of mankind. But then it comes down to, okay, you've changed your mind, but then what? You've changed your mind, but then you actually have to Ask Christ to save you. It's not just repenting and changing your mind, but it's also turning and embracing Christ as your Savior. We'll see this in several places. Christians can repent of specific sins and stop doing them after you've trusted Christ as your Savior. We can realize, we can understand this is not pleasing to the Lord. I'm going to uh, change my mind about this or the truth of God's word is going to change my mind. And that's going to result in a change of my, of my actions. Saving repentance has to involve a change of mind about Jesus Christ so that whatever a person thought of him before, he or she changes their mind and trusts him, Christ, to be their savior. Second Peter 3 and verse number 9. Second Peter 3 and verse number 9. Say, Pastor, why are we having a whole sermon about baptism? You know, because unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of people who think that their sins are forgiven because there was an occasion where they got baptized. We must not place our faith and trust in baptism. Baptism did not die for us. Jesus died for us. Jesus died for us. Second Peter 3 and verse number nine, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everyone in this world to come to repentance. He wants us to come to saving, saving faith. Saving repentance may be preceded by a repentance concerning sin or repentance towards God. This aspect of repentance is not saving unless it is accompanied by faith in Christ. Let's just use an everyday example. Let's just say that I am eating uh, fast food, three meals a day. Now, everybody knows that is not good for your health. Can we agree on that? Okay. Fast food, three meals a day. And then all of a sudden, now I start having health problems. I go to the doctor. The doctor says, what's your diet like? 
I'd rather not say. You know, what's your diet like? I eat fast food three meals a day. Oh, once a week? No, every, every day of the week. For years I've been doing this. Well, based on all of these factors you're experiencing in your health, blood work, so on and so forth, you really need to change your diet. Yeah, okay, thanks, doc. Now, did that person, does that person agree that this diet is affecting their health? They see it, they agree with it, okay? But just because they see it and they agree with it doesn't really change anything if they don't change their diet. There's a lot of people that hear the gospel they hear what Jesus has done for them. They see the evidence. They, listen, they agree with the message. But then you ask them, okay, if you die today, are you sure you'd go to heaven? And they would say, yes, I think so. Why is that? Well, because you see, I'm a good person. No, 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 no. You heard the message of the cross, but you're not trusting in Christ. You're still trusting in yourself. Oh, yeah, I think I'm going to heaven. Why? Well, because I got baptized one time. But see, that's not the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15. The first point is simply this. Baptism doesn't say because baptism is not the gospel. Baptism doesn't say because baptism is not the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number three. For I delivered unto you, first of all, how that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. This is the passage where we say, this is the gospel, specifically because it says in verse number one, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Listen, we don't see the word baptism anywhere in there. We receive the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and that he rose again from the dead and that he was seen alive for 40 days. We don't see baptism anywhere in there. And so if we go through and we look at the message that Jesus preached when he preached the gospel, when we look at what Peter preached when he preached the gospel, when we look at the apostle Paul, when he traveled around all over the known world, over the Roman empire, when he preached the gospel, baptism was never preached for, as in the process, or this is what is necessary in order to have your sins forgiven. You say, aha, but what about Acts 2 and verse number 38? Look what it says, pastor. Are you trying to say the Bible says one thing or, or the Bible says another thing? Here's, it, it almost appears as if possibly the Bible doesn't agree with itself. If we go back to Acts 2 and verse number 38... Then Peter said unto them, because they said, remember, verse 37, 
Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They were convinced. They, were, they felt guilty. We talked about that last week. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, change your mind, change your heart, resulting in a change of direction, right? And specifically, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He says that earlier, where he says that in verse number 21. Okay, jump over to verse 21, Acts 2, 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're calling on him. But he says in verse number 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. One commentator said this, baptismal regenerationist, that's a big fancy word that basically means there's a certain group of uh, Christians out there or in the world of Christianity that say that it is through baptism that we are saved. It is through baptism we are regenerated. It is through baptism that we get the forgiveness of sins. And this commentary says basically that that group understands this verse to teach that repentance and baptism lead to the forgiveness of sin. Unquestionably, baptism was a clear proof in the New Testament times of conversion. Whether it be a conversion to Judaism, to John the Baptist's message, or to Christianity. Sometimes you don't realize is that during the time of the New Testament, when there was someone that converted to Judaism, they would be baptized into Judaism. So if there was a Gentile, a Roman, or whatever it was, and they wanted to follow the Jewish religion, they would be baptized, or in some cases, they would even baptize themselves. Baptism, John the Baptist did not invent baptism. This was around. And everybody realized at that time that when you were getting baptized, that you were saying, I am publicly identifying with that teacher or that teaching or that religion or that group. And so when somebody believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the next step was automatically get baptized. They understood that. And that's why he said it is because it was common knowledge. Also in the wording of, of this, um, it says that the word, when it says every one of you should be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, um, that Greek word essentially means on the basis of or because of. So he's basically saying you need to be, you need to be baptized because you have been forgiven of your sins is what the wording is. And so um, it was absolutely unknown during that time for someone to have trusted Christ as their savior and refused to be baptized. We never find that in scripture. I believe in Jesus for my salvation, but I absolutely refuse to be baptized. We don't find that. And so oftentimes that's why it's coupled together. So much scripture, scripture clearly teaches that the moment we are forgiven is when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And baptism is merely an outward sign of that. Okay, so here we go. Let's try this. How many of you are married? Raise your hand. Hands, hands, hands. Okay, good. How many of you wear a wedding ring? Band, ring. Okay, good. Now look, um, someone can go to the store. You can even order them on Amazon, I'm sure. 
Order a wedding ring off Amazon. Come right to your door. And you can put it on. There, here's my ring. I, can you, you know what? I was thinking about this the other day. Praise God. I still have the original. I'm not going to ask if you've lost yours and had to buy a new one. But what a blessing. 17 years. Can you believe that? Don't I look way too young to be married for 17 years? <laughs> right? What a, uh, the Lord's good. Okay. Okay. So this is, this, this is what we use as an illustration to show. It's like when April and I got married, I remember standing up there trembling. My knees are just, I don't know. Why are we so scared when we get married? It's just, is it the commitment? Is it because you're in front of everybody? Because it's such, you've been building up to it. You're wearing this fancy outfit that you've never worn before. I had the coolest suit when I got married, by the way. It was a rental. But this is back in the day, right? I got married in 2006. What? Some of you weren't even born then. Okay. Um, That's not true. It was, it was long. It had like six buttons. It kind of went up and it was six buttons. The cummerbund didn't do that. It was like six buttons and like the bow tie thing. And it was, like, it was long. And I remember like standing up there with the pastor, just terrified, trembling, right? And look back. <gasps> it was so beautiful. And the beautiful music and the lights were dim. and Scared and happy and excited all at once. Right? Who gives this woman away? Father-in-law. Mother and I do. It doesn't actually sound like that. So it sounds like it's moment. I walked down the steps praying to God I didn't fall because my legs were kind of wobbly doing the Bambi leg thing, you know? Get the arm, walk up. You know, her train's like six miles long. <laughs> Beautiful, but impractical. But you can't say that in a wedding. Get up there. Go through the whole thing, exchange the vows, go down, do the unity candle, right? And then finally, the words that every man cannot wait to hear. You may kiss your bride. Veil, kiss, everybody applauds, right? And of course, we exchange rings. Now look, just because April and I live together and wear wedding rings doesn't necessarily make us married. It's because we exchange vows, listen, and accepted one another. Right? That's what it means to be married. Acting married between a couple and wearing the hardware doesn't make you married. You actually have to go through the ceremony and accept one another. It's the same thing with baptism. Baptism doesn't show, baptism does not make you saved. It's just an outward show that you have accepted Christ and received him. You've received him in your heart. And the baptism is just kind of like the wedding ring. It's just kind of the outward showing. I identify with Christ. I identify with his teaching. I, I have accepted him. In a day and time, remember, this is the same crowd that said, crucify him, crucify him. And, and, and Peter is saying, you need to change your mind about who Jesus is. You need to accept him as your savior. Listen, and you need to openly identify as being a believer and follower of Christ. Why? Because you have openly identified as someone who is willing to say, crucify him, crucify him. Yeah. Romans 10. 
Baptists believe in a believer's baptism. Believer's baptism. I want to get baptized. Fantastic. I need to ask you some questions. Let's have a meeting. Do you know for sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Um, I think so. That's not the right answer. We need to take a step back. We need to go through the plan of salvation and make sure first that you're saved. This is a cautious moment. We must not in any way think that going into a baptistry tank is going to make us go to heaven. It doesn't wash away our sins. It does not. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Whose righteousness? With the heart, I believe Jesus Christ. Listen, his purity is given to me when I call on him and believe on him. Yeah. I am washed from my sin and I've given his righteousness on my account in God's eyes. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Can we see here that it is the fact that I believed in my heart and therefore at the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaketh. If I believed on him with my heart, it's going to come out of my mouth. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Guys, if I can be honest, oftentimes that person is saved before they ever say the sinner's prayer. Let me say that again. Oftentimes that person is genuinely born again and saved before they ever say the sinner's prayer. Why? Because the salvation occurs in the heart when you believe on him. And it simply comes out of your mouth. Yes, I believe. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as as my Savior. And that evidence comes out. And because you've completely received him in your heart and you believed on him, your heart has had that change. Your heart has had that. You've had that change of mind. You've had that change of heart. I've been completely embraced him for my salvation. It comes out of your mouth. And then the next step is I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to openly identify with Jesus Christ. This is the first step of obedience, we say, as a Christian. The first step of obedience. The scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Notice verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not been baptized? It doesn't say that. Does it say that? No, it says in whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Listen, time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. When we see what is the gospel, the gospel is Jesus died for our sins and he rose again from the dead. He completely paid for our salvation and we need to completely believe on him for our salvation. That is the gospel. Baptism is not the gospel. It is not a baptism of the gospel. It is, a, it, is, or it is not the gospel of baptism. It is the gospel of repentance and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And simply because we have done that, 
Because we've done that, we get baptized. Can you imagine? We do have a video somewhere of our marriage ceremony. But can you imagine going through the vows because you go through the vows before you exchange rings, right? That's the proper order. Go through the vows, you know, and the preacher says, do you know, uh, do you have the rings? And they go through the little ring ceremony. You have the rings and I have the ring. And, uh, and April's standing across from me. Now she didn't do this, but can you imagine if you went to a wedding and this happened? They go through the vows, they're officially married, but then when it comes to the rings, the outward expression of their vow to, of, of fidelity to one another, either the guy or the girl says, put the ring on the finger. No, it's okay. I'm not gonna, we're, no, I'm not gonna do the ring. What? We would think something's wrong with that. Hey, when I go around town, I want to make sure everybody sees this. I'm taken. I want to make sure my wife wears hers too. Why? Because she's taken. Not that she wouldn't and I wouldn't. We would never. However, I want everybody to know I'm taken. Hey, friend, listen. When that person stands in the baptistry tank, They are telling all of the witnesses, he saved me. I'm taken. Amen. Amen. I belong to him. I am publicly saying that. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Amen. Romans 6 talks about baptism. Now, here's something interesting about if you ever take a time to look at a commentary, there are some passages of scripture where if you look at six commentaries, they're going to say six different things. Sometimes you look at six different ones, they're all going to say the same thing. Sometimes you look at six different ones, they're going to say six different things. And that's why we need to know how to read and interpret the Bible properly. Romans chapter number six and verse number one says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The question is this simply, now that you've gotten saved, can we walk in all of the sin that we used to commit? If we, if we continue to do the sin and we're genuinely saved, will we go to heaven? Yes. But is that really honoring the Lord? No, it's not. And that's why it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Question. Some commentaries want us to believe that we're baptized into Christ, meaning that we have gotten our salvation upon the moment that we're plunged into the water. And this is where we understand that the definition of the word must be interpreted within the context of what it's saying. It is not talking about water. We never in this passage see water ever. It's talking about the theological truth that spiritually, when we called on Jesus Christ, we have completely been plunged into his righteousness. We have been completely encapsulated with him. 
We, we have all of him and he has all of us. Listen, he takes away all of our sin and he gives us his righteousness so that we are covered completely. This doctrine is called justification, just as if we've never sinned. Praise his holy name. If you've called on the Lord Jesus Christ, there's nothing left for you to do to be even. There's no such thing as being more saved or less saved. You have been baptized into Jesus Christ. Plunged. You completely belong to him. And because we completely belong to him, this occurs in the spirit. When we call on him, he's, he's all of us. He has all of us. He's taken all of our sin and we have all of his righteousness. There's nothing left for us to do to please God, including baptism for our salvation. Because of that truth, remember last week we were talking about guilt and we're talking about how Christ is the propitiation for our sin. He completely appeased God with the sacrifice of himself. Amen. What he did on the cross completely appeased God. And when we accept him, that means that that propitiation, that atonement, that payment for our sin, we're completely immersed and baptized in that spiritually. We, we get all of that. We're completely forgiven, friend. And that act of baptism, water baptism, is simply an outward expression of the fact that we are completely 100% born again. Listen, this is why Baptists, one of the reasons why Baptists immerse in water, because we didn't get a little sprinkling of salvation. We didn't, listen, we didn't get a little pouring of salvation. We were absolutely submerged in salvation. We got all of it. And it's interesting to note that doctrinally and theologically, if you look at other churches where they talk about sprinkling and pouring, oftentimes you ask them, if you, if you sin a big sin, will you still go to heaven? And oftentimes they will say, no. They don't believe in the doctrine of eternal security. We believe in full immersion by baptism because of the doctrinal foundation that Jesus Christ paid for all of our sin. When we accept him, all of our sin is paid for. Amen. Amen. And our baptism represents that. It's a picture of a deeper theological belief. It's a picture of a deeper doctrine. Oh, pastor, I want to be a member of your church. Not my church, but this church. Where'd you get baptized? Oh, I got baptized at this other place and I was sprinkled. I'm sorry, friend. We don't believe that. So guess what? If you want to be a member of this church, you're going to have to get plunged, rebaptized. By the way, you know that's where we got our name from? Where'd the Baptists get their name from? From John the Baptist. Not really. We got our name many, many years ago when the vast majority of the population of Europe were Catholics. But there was a tiny group by various names, not called Baptist. Sometimes they were called by the name of their, uh, one of the main leaders. They're called by various names. But they were salvation by grace through faith and they were baptized by immersion. And when someone converted from Christian or from Catholicism 
and they got born again and they wanted to follow Christ in one of these other groups, they had to get re-baptized. By the way, so did anybody who was a convert to Judaism and then got saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Rebaptism is not a new thing. It's an old thing. And they called us Anabaptists, meaning rebaptizers. We got our name Baptist from our enemies, essentially. Baptism is an identification of a deeper doctrine. One story and then we'll be done. Let's go to Acts chapter number. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 8. Baptism is the first step of obedience as a new believer. Baptism is an identification. I, one time I, I got on Facebook and I was just kind of scrolling through and I saw this, this post. It made me so upset. This woman, this woman was talking about, oh, my daughter wants to get baptized, but I don't know if I want to do it in a church. And all these comments. None, by the way, none of them contain scripture. Oh, just do it yourself. Just go baptize it yourself. Mothers can just go baptize the, the children themselves is what this post was trying to say. Is that, is that okay? Can we do that? Can, 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 can my child just come up to me and say, hey, um, I, think, I think I want to get baptized. One comment said, uh, oh, you know what? Don't worry about going to church. I, I baptized, this is another mother. I baptized my daughter at the cottage, out at the cottage one summer. She said it was great. She had some great feelings, probably because it was cold water. She had some amazing feelings. You don't need to be a member of any man's church. That comment came up quite a bit. By the way, the church belongs to Christ. The church doesn't belong to a man. The authority to baptize doesn't belong with the pastor. The authority to baptize belongs with the church. It doesn't belong with me. I have the authority to baptize because my church sent me out from Arkansas. One day, when God raises up more young men and they get an opportunity to baptize, the church will vote and say, now they have an opportunity to baptize in the church. Some people do that after the person is ordained. Sometimes the church just votes to let them have that authority while they're in that church. But it, the authority doesn't rest with me, praise God. It rests with the church. And so we see here in Acts 8. And we'll just read a few verses here. Look at verse 36. It says, and as they went on their way, they came into a certain water and the eunuch said, the story is about Philip, the evangelist, and a man named the Ethiopian eunuch, or that's what he's known as. He's from Ethiopia. And he says, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? I want to identify with this teaching is what he's saying. What did Philip say in verse 37? Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. So clear. So clear. If you believe with all your heart, you may. 
And he answered and said, I, look at this, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He said it openly with his mouth because it was from his heart and now he's willing to openly identify it in baptistry waters. Notice it says in verse 38, he commanded the chariot to stand still and they went down both into the water. Now here's a question. I'm guessing this Ethiopian eunuch being a government official probably had some kind of little jug of water somewhere in his chariot. Why didn't Philip just say, hey, hand me that jug of water and I'll baptize you right here while we keep moving? Because he needed to be immersed. He needed to be submersed. He needed to be all the way plunged in. Some of you like, um, some of you like uh, poutine. Poutine lovers? My hand's up, especially on a really cold day in January. Praise God. You want French fries that have been sprinkled or poured? No, I want fries that have been baptized in the gravy. (laughs) We all know what that means, right? Submerged, like a cup of gravy and some fries that are floating around in there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But it says here specifically, and we're done, but specifically it says they... They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, you see that? Come up out of the water. Baptism is for every Christian. Baptism should be by immersion. My friend, I pray that today you understand that we do not place our faith and trust in a baptistry tank. We do not place our faith and trust in a ritual or in a ceremony. We place our faith and trust in a person. That person is Jesus Christ. He died for our sin. He rose from the dead. We believe that fully, calling on him to save us. And in order to identify with him and what he did for us, we simply get baptized in deep water. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Thank you for your kind attention today.